0: Don't look now, minutes, again, Don't look now. all right, everyone. Welcome back to Don't look now with our week's podcast with your host Jenny McDonald sitting opposite me and uh I am Will Hageman, and uh, we are off on another topic today. What is our topic of the day, Jenny?
1: Today is all of the theories, conspiracies, and paranormal investigations into the Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh
0: uh, yes, the Devil's Pass Part Two. Part Two. Part. part two. Undue. <laughs>
1: that was good. All right. Yes, really yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. We're we're on on the right wavelength.
1: <laughs> so just a. Super quick recap for everybody. Um, Dyatlov Pass incident uh, was in 1959, in which nine hikers went missing in the Ural Mountains. 20 days later, they were found. Five of them were found, um, having died of hypothermia, mostly in a state of undress. Three of them looked like they were trying to return to camp. Two of them were found near a campfire. Two months later, the remaining four members of the team were found about a mile away from the others, under four feet of snow. Two of them were missing their eyes. One of them was found in what was thought to have been a stream, and one had suffered a major skull fracture. Um, The two that were missing their eyes also had major chest fractures um, that were thought to be Hmm. more forceful than a car. Yep. Yep.
0: So the big chest-crushing eye sucker got them. That's that's, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chest-sucking eye. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So... As you may recall, they had to cut themselves out of their tent, and they ran away barefoot. Most mm-hmm. of them weren't wearing shoes. Um, they were of varying ages. Of the original 10 that left, nine of them were uh, in their 20s. One was in their 30s. One person turned back before they were able, were able to get to the pass due to a health condition. So, let's dig in.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the fun starts now. Fun.
1: All right. So there is a theory that there was an avalanche.
0: What? <gasps> no way. I've never heard of that.
1: That's an insane theory.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, so the theory pos- posits that an avalanche caused the hikers' deaths. Um, initially, this was a really, really popular like theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, though, are starting to go, could it be? And um, the, with that is also a like joint hypothesis of a Yeti.
0: Ah, oh, the Yeti. Nice. I love Yetis. Right. I do too, actually. The Ural Yeti. You don't hear too many Ural Yetis. That's, you know.
1: So this um, this hypothesis was kind of rebutted um, by an American skeptic named Benjamin Radford. And this is his most plausible explanation of what happened. Mm-hmm. He says, the group probably woke up in a panic, cut their way out of the tent because either an avalanche had covered the entrance or because they were scared that an avalanche was imminent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they it was better to have potentially repaired the slit than risk being buried alive under a ton of snow. They were poorly clothed because clothed because they'd been sleeping, and they ran to the safety of the nearby woods where trees would slow oncoming snow. Now remember they didn't want to camp, yeah, in that area because they were worried about losing altitude, which mm-hmm. is why they didn't camp in the woods to begin with, where they might have been more protected. Okay. So, in the darkness of the night, they ended up getting separated into a couple of different groups. One group made a fire, um, and this explains, apparently, this was not listed in the the report that I gave earlier Mm -hmm. in the previous episode, but a couple of them had burned hands. Um, and the others tried to return to the tent, possibly to retrieve clothing or other supplies, since the imminent danger had passed. But it was too cold, and all these people froze to death in their, before they could locate their tent in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point... Some of the clothes may have been removed or swapped from the dead, but at any rate, the group of the four bodies that were most severely damaged were probably caught in the avalanche as they were buried under four meters meters, yeah, yeah, not feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's thirteen that's a lot of feet of snow. Yeah. yeah, of snow which is more than enough to account for the compelling natural force. Um, obviously, I can't tell the difference between metric and... <laughs> it's all
0: right. And, you know, and odds are different things you're reading are probably quoting it one way or the other too. So, you know. so
1: true. Um, so with this avalanche theory, the lady whose tongue was missing mm-hmm. was probably removed by a scavenger. I want to remind you, 13 feet of snow. What scavenger is 13 feet under?
0: Yes. Now... To rebut that, I would say, well, they did find her months later. So it's possible that, you know, initially they were not under that much snow. Right. Things picked at her and then a couple avalanches later they're, you know, they're well buried. And that's why, you know.
1: I like that theory, well. That's a good one.
0: There you go. I'm going with the ra- <laughs> That's my, 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 the official rational theory that, you know, before we get into the fun stuff. Because <laughs> that's no fun. That's just people, you know. That's just logic. Horribly dying in an avalanche. And right. That's, that's just sad as opposed to exciting and fun. As much so. as exciting and fun, if the death of a party of people can I know, it's not really exciting. It's kind of sick, but, you know, I, I listen to We're
1: not thinking that they're exce- the, yeah, is. You know, I don't want is, them to die. It's just, what you know, happened. Like, since
0: this has happened, the, the possibilities of what happened are, you know, compelling. This is, both Jenny and I listen to My Favorite Murder, and I constantly have to reassure myself that, like, wait, it's it's okay to enjoy this podcast, because, you know, there's always this fine line of, you enjoy the stories of what are happening and you, you you find yourself wrapped up in what's going on but what actually happened is horrible you I, don't in any way enjoy what happened i don't enjoy you know?
1: that someone ended ends up dying on mm-hmm. that podcast what yep. i enjoy is the psychology and the story behind how it got there yep because if we can figure out what that trigger is and that's the whole art of this kind of storytelling is that mm-hmm. what is it we're looking for in this story. Um and I actually it's really funny because I didn't have time to finish. I've been working on a a podcast idea for a few weeks now. Mm -hmm. I have like three different ones that I've been kind of picking away at that um I kind of discussed this. But as humans, we are looking for magic everywhere. Yeah. We have gone gotten everything so sorted out with science and with logic but our brains still seek the unknown. Yep. We're still looking for aliens. We're still looking yep. for ghosts. We're still looking for an explanation that doesn't mean people are terrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's interesting because I'm definitely a scientist. And right. I don't believe in magic and ghosts and other things, but I love the idea of magic and ghosts and other things. You know, like it's far more fun when there's that possibility in a story. Right. Than not because you love the fact that there could be a thing that you just don't understand that's out there that you know and is waiting for you to discover in some way as opposed to exactly yeah the world's just rational and bad things happen because bad people are bad and there's you know mm-hmm. it's just it loses its excitement so it's it's fun to have some and some unknown sprinkled in out there the so. joy
1: of the unknown is that there's still potential yep if they solve this yep. this whole story becomes boring
0: yeah yeah. And uh, it makes me think of, oh, I believe it's uh, Michelson, that, you know, big experimentalist that, you know, was super famous for making measurements of the speed of light and everything that, you know, declared, I think, late late 1800s that basically all science had been discovered and all that was left was for people to measure things with ever higher precision. And, you know, it was like all Mm -hmm. the fun has been sucked out of the world. All that's left is for us to just measure the speed of light to more digits. Yeah. And of course, he was horribly wrong because this was before quantum even showed up. So, you know, clearly we didn't know crap at the time and we still don't, which is kind of exciting. So, you know.
1: There's a meme going around on Facebook right now where there's a picture of Roman Rhodes Mm -hmm. and it says something along the lines of, we didn't need to have a college degree to be able to do this. And it really frustrates me because Mm -hmm. we look at everything from the lens of where we're at right this second in this moment in time. In this moment in time, there's a real push against um, traditional education and a real like push towards. Back towards trade. Yep. But what people are doing is trying to equate modern scenarios to ancient times.
0: Yeah.
1: They may not have had a university in the way that we have a university, but the people that designed those roads yeah. still went through rigorous trade. They oh, yeah. still and to. For people to keep going, I want to return to this time. Yeah. I want to return to yeah. this time. I would like to remind you that during that time, it was not uncommon for young men to be groomed by older men as part of their training. And yeah. by grooming, I mean,
0: yeah, Sexual grooming. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It, it was not uncommon. Yeah, It was part of their training on how to become a man.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that everyone forgets is their geniuses were their geniuses and they're just as geniuses geniuses
1: now. And, exactly. They just know, had different tools.
0: They're the ones that were building the roads. Right. As opposed to now, the biggest genius in our society is not tasked with building the great road from Rome to wherever. They're, they're doing other things. You know, it's not. Right. It's it's interesting. But, and yeah, you know.
1: our roads don't last as long probably as they did during that time. But also
0: during that putting, <laughs> time,
1: we weren't putting giant semi trucks yeah. on those roads yes. every day. And we're
0: also not dedicating the major resources of our empire to that road. That road right. is not the most important thing being built in our society. You know, it's it's different. Like it was during that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. This is making the Great Apian Way moonshot type thing as opposed to, right. you know, our standard thing of making sure the road's paved out front. But, you know, there's lots of interesting things with that. But, yeah, I've seen the exact same post with within the last 24 hours. It so,
1: makes my brain explode every time I see it. It's Anyhow.
0: It's all good. But, you know, there's just major anti-intellectualism out there. Which, right. As an intellectual is somewhat frustrating. But, uh, I mean, I get it. I, like I
1: said, I don't have a problem with it as long as you realize you're trying to look at a past event through a modern lens and it doesn't apply, yeah. which they don't because that's, yeah. Anyhow, well. <laughs> I guess I should get back on topic at some uh, point. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was such a digression. Yeah, didn't?
0: but it's all, that's why we're here. I know. For, for random, Sorry. Randomness like that. But anyway. Um, so
1: let's contradict avalanches. Okay.
0: So why is it not an avalanche?
1: It's not an avalanche. Okay. Okay. The location of the incident did not have any signs of an avalanche having taken place. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a really wide area. Um, the bodies that were found within a month of the event were... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is really... It's terrible. We went from 13 feet to 4 feet. And now mm-hmm. we're back to a very shallow layer of snow. Yes. Um, But if there was an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away this party, they would have been swept away really far Mm -hmm. and they would have had a lot more serious and a lot more different injuries. Yeah. And they probably would have damaged the tree line Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because of where their bodies were found. Over a hundred expeditions to the region were held since this incident. None of them have ever reported an avalanche. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, A study of the area using up-to-date terrain related physics I didn't even know this field existed, guys. uh, Reveals that the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to occur. Dangerous conditions of avalanches are found in a nearby area, but it has a lot steeper slopes and cornices. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. So remember, when they went was February. It wouldn't have occurred at the same time. And it would be more likely to have one now with the climate change that's going on. Okay. If you believe in that, which I do. Um, another analysis of the train says that the slope and incline indicates that it, there, even if there was a very specific avalanche that circumvents every other criticism mm-hmm. that's out there, the trajectory would have bypassed the tent, um, and the tent had collapsed laterally but not horizontally. Okay, so, so it went we to might, the
0: side instead of from the top of the mountain down. Right. Nice. Right. So one of those horizontal avalanches that you see. Well, no, you would expect a yeah. horizontal avalanche.
1: Yeah. So the tent went down yeah. and not out. out.
0: Okay, all right. I was thinking you were thinking it backwards. I was thinking that basically it was pushed laterally across the surface of the mountain as opposed no, to down. No, it was would be more like someone had landed on
1: top of the okay. tent. All right, as opposed to as opposed it. to it sweeping yeah. away. Yep. So okay. Um, the leader of the expedition, Tiatlov, was an experienced skier, as, and the much older Simon Zolotorov. Um, was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. There we go. Neither of them would have been likely to camp in the path of a potential avalanche. Yeah. It makes no sense why they put the tent where they put the tent, if they were concerned about an avalanche.
0: And it sounds like they've been vindicated by physics saying that they put the tent in a good place because nothing would have hit the tent.
1: Exactly. And the tent wasn't swept away, once again.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I've had tents swept away, and I'm a fairly experienced camper. Yeah. So... I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Foot patterns um, lead away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine people running in panic. Mm -hmm. So they were like, if you expect running when there's a lot of snow, you're going to get a lot of kickback, even without shoes. Okay. They weren't getting that. Okay. So like think about when we walk in the snow yeah. here you can see if, if you're just kind of taking yeah. your time taking yeah, you're it easy or whether you're right kicking everything but anything. if you're trying in a hurry you mm-hmm. see a bunch of um spray mm-hmm. going with it um all the footprints that were leading away from the tent were headed towards the woods were consistent with people just walking at a normal pace not running
0: uh, okay that's inherently weird as hell right there so yeah Especially considering they're basically not wearing clothes and it's 13 below. But, and
1: they're yeah. just kind of meandering over to the woods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Um, in 2015, there was a repeated investigation of the original 1959 investigation um, done by the investigative committee of the Russian Federation on request of the families. So they confirmed that the avalanche probably happened mm-hmm. with a bunch of details on why they thought so, right? First of all, um, one of the investigators who is an experienced mountain climber, uh, called an alpinist.
0: Yes. Right. These
1: names, uh, confirmed that the weather on the night of the tragedy was really harsh. The snowstorm would have caused temperatures to fall below 40 degrees Celsius, which wasn't even considered, um, by the 1959 investigators because they arrived at the scene. What? 20 days later. Yeah. Yeah. So, they were like, well, it was really, really cold. They probably just didn't think about that. And um, when the weather had improved, any of the remains of the snowslide would have settled down and been covered with fresh snowfall. So they still are saying avalanche. It just got covered up by a snowstorm. Okay. Um, and the harsh winter at the time would have played into it. So on February 1st, the group arrived at the Colatzlaco Mountains and erect a nine-person tent on an open slope. A nine-person tent's a massive tent. I just want to say that. Yeah. And I'm thinking of those canvas tents that would have been popular during that time. Those were a pain in the ass. I guess it
0: all depends on how tightly they're sleeping, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's not small.
1: No. So there's no natural barriers like a forest. Um, And on the day and a few preceding days, there was a lot of heavy snowfall with strong wind and frost. The group that was traversing through the slope and digging in the tent um, would have dug the tent into the snow mm-hmm. to build a nice strong base so that it would be warmer. Um, but it would have weakened the snow mm-hmm. packed. Okay. During the night, the snow field above the tent started to slide down, which pushed the tent fabric down. The group wakes up, starts an evacuation in panic. Uh, some of the attendees are able to put on warm clothes while some of them weren't, and they escape through a hole in the tent fabric. The whole group goes down the slope to find what they think is a safe spot, only um, it's... It's only 1,500 meters down um, at the forest border. Four of them, only in their underwear and pajamas, camp at a small fireplace. They start at the forest uh, border, mm-hmm. and their bodies were the first found, and they were confirmed to die of hypothermia. The three alpinists, um, including the leader and Simonov, and one of the third ones, um, attempt to get back to the tent, probably to get sleeping bags. They think, and the reason they posit this is because they all had better clothing than those at the fireplace. So they may have taken their clothes to try to get there since they had a fire. Mm -hmm. Um, this is all very logical and it's kind of gross and I don't like it. Um, but they still didn't have, it was all light clothing and they didn't have any footwear. Mm -hmm. Why are they sleeping in their underwear in this weather? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's insane.
0: Who knows what large groups of people get up to in the middle of the winter? I I don't know. You know, that's a good point. Not gonna, not gonna go there. Yeah, exactly.
1: So their bodies were found at various places um, between 300 and 600 meters from the fireplace, posing that they just fell down of exhaustion in the extreme cold, which mm-hmm. is kind of common. And then the remaining four at the campfire were equipped with warm clothes and footwear. that were tra- So they still had some warm clothes and footwear, and they were trying to build this big campfire to stay warmer. Um, and they were found within 70 meters of the fireplace. So they even got up and walked away from the fire, hmm. which is not uncommon with people with hypothermia, yeah, actually, you act weird. Yeah, yeah, as you get really, really cold, you walk away. Um, and they were, they just think that probably these are the four that they found months later, right? Mm-hmm. So their bodies were found 70 meters away under several meters of thick snow with trauma saying that they thought they fell into a snow hole formed above a tree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. According to these investigators, the factors contributing to the tragedy were extremely bad weather and lack of experience of the group leader um, with a dangerous selection in a camping place. After the snow slide, another mistake was to split up rather than build a temporary camp and stick together. And they think that there was negligence in the 1959 report contributing to more questions than answers and inspiring all of these conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. (sighs) ICRF, stop it. Yep. We want more drama.
0: Yep.
1: So let's go on to another one.
0: <laughs> now for the fun theories. Yeah, right, now yeah. we're going to
1: get into the the avalanche is probably the most
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, we well, we go through and think about likely. it,
0: the avalanche is what happens. But the other things are far more right. entertaining to discuss. So.
1: so let's talk about some weird meteorological events. Have you heard of a katabatic wind? No. Okay. So in 2019, a Swedish Russian um, expedition made it to the site. And after they got there and did their own investigation, they decided that a violent catabatic wind uh, was likely the explanation. So it's kind of a rare event, but it's extremely violent. Um, a similar case happened in Sweden. Um, the accident at Anaris, eight hikers perished in 1978 in the aftermath of a catabatic wind. Um, and it's the topography of this location was similar to those in Sweden. Okay. Um, so it's basically, it's like a microburst only with severe wind. Mm. Um, just a massive blast of wind that would have been impossible to stay in the tent. So the most rational course of action would be to get out and seek shelter in the tree line, because Mm -hmm. at least there, they would have all the other trees to protect them because the wind was so harsh, the tent would have come down on them, Mm -hmm. which once again, makes sense. Um, so, One of the things that was listed in the initial investigation is that there was a flashlight that was left turned on on top of the tent. So they were thinking that they left it there so that the hikers could find their way back to the tent once the wind subsided. Okay. I have questions. Wouldn't the wind have taken down the flashlight? You would think. Right? So I don't know. The expedition proposed that the group of hikers constructed two bivouac shelters, one of which collapsed, leaving the four hikers behind with the uh, violent injuries as a result of the shelter collapsing. Okay. So that would have been a snow shelter that would have collapsed on them. I just don't... This one doesn't feel right. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one's a fun one. Infrasound. Oh, there we go. Yep. This is popularized by the 2013 book Dead Mountain, Um, saying that wind going down around the mountain created a Carmen vortex sheet, (laughs) which produces an infrasonic sound capable of inducing a panic attack. So in this theory, the infrasound generated by the wind passing over the mountain caused so much physical discomfort and mental distress in the hiker that the hikers panicked, were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary, and fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they would have been out of the way of the path and would have regained their composure. But because it was so dark, they weren't able to find their shelter. Um, and the traumatic injuries suffered by the three were because they fell over a ledge of a ravine and landed on the rocks at the bottom. Okay. What did they not mention in any of the reports?
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: Rocks or ravines. Right. Yeah, true. <laughs> they would
0: be buried in snow. Who knows? Who knows? Right.
1: Because they were already yeah. in the ravine. Yeah. That's what the pass was, was yeah. my understanding.
0: Yeah. But I mean, if you had a large snow sheet or something, then you could have a fall to the rock. Kind of mm-hmm. like the other theory of the, you know, the basically snow collapse if they had a bubble around a tree right. and they fell down through it or something. Right. But, but yeah, no. Have you ever experienced Infrasound? No. No, I have. I have one good experience with it because I've always seen all these things and they stick around right. Mythbusters and they do whatever. But, uh, it was fun. In, um a while back I was I was filling in as a lecturer for a physics class and I got to you know go up front and run some review for I think Cardwell things. Cardwell 102 and I noticed as I was up there that just like all the hair on my arm was just standing on end and I felt just totally creeped out and I'm like why why am I feeling you know I just felt weird just that that yeah, prickly, something's watching you, something weird, but I'm in the middle of this lecture hall. I'm like, what, what the hell's going on? Surrounded
1: by people, and they're yeah. like, well, I am being watched. Yeah, and
0: then as I was sitting there, I, I felt the, the desk up there, and I could feel this throb, kind of, you know, yeah. low-frequency, humming-level kind of thing, but it's like, you couldn't really hear it, but I could physically feel it. And then I realized that, basically, due to the air conditioning system, they had a nice, you know, low-frequency infrasound thing going up front. And if I just walked, like, a few feet up it I got boring. out of that, and I felt perfectly normal, and I could just take, like, three steps back toward the thing, and suddenly all my hair would stand up on end again. It was really...
1: Creepy. Yeah, it
0: was kind of amazing, because I'd, I'd always heard about that, but I'd never experienced anything like it, and yeah, it was just... It's hard to describe exactly what the feeling was, but it was just that unease that you get, you know, well, I mean, from that, time to time, and you can't really like explain... like that feeling
1: in your stomach that you get when yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you know, I mean, it's almost... It was almost similar to how you feel if you've had far too much caffeine and you're just slightly wired and everything is just kind of amped up to some level, but it was, but you don't have any of that, you know, actual upper in your system. So it's more like something, you know, something is odd. I'm feeling really off, like something, you know, in a bad way. Weird. Like, yeah, it was, it was a really weird sensation, you know, so. Huh. So yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of a cool cool thing to at least experience once like hey that's what they mean by all this infrasound stuff you know yeah it definitely wasn't like a full-on panic
1: but it was sort of thing
0: but you understand what they mean by that that level of noise being unsettling or there's something you know that really kind of triggers you definitely felt felt weird real weird
1: i mean whenever i have issues with electronics that probably that's kind of what i feel is Mm -hmm. that weird just like what you're describing, it's cool yeah. to know that that may be what it is. Yeah, then.
0: yeah, yeah. It's 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 really, yeah, it was, I mean, I was starting to doubt like your sanity. It's kind of like, why am I feeling this way? It's so right. weird. There's nothing to make me feel this way. And then I finally realized feeling stuff that there was a pulse going on that I couldn't hear. You know, when people walk into
1: houses it. and they feel like this house is haunted because yeah, yeah. they have that, feel? I wonder yep, if that's yep, really there's a lot what's of, going there's on. There's a
0: lot of theories a lot of times that a lot of haunted house type things are due to infrasound issues that, you know, the wind blows through Causes a resonant frequency. Place feels creepy. You walk into certain rooms and the hair stands up on the back of your yeah. neck. That a lot of that is a, an infrasound, infrasound kind of thing. So,
1: Inter- I've never heard of that before. I'm gonna have to look more into that. So yeah, it's kind of see whatever good I'm, stuff. Yeah. I can see that that's a theory on now. Yeah, yeah. Infrasound. <laughs> it's my new, <laughs> it's my new go, passion. Please. All right. Okay, so let's get into military explanations okay, yes. because that's warbs with everything else being so weird that seems mm-hmm. like the most plausible one yeah. to me. So there is speculation on the internet that the campsite fell within the path of the Soviet parachute mine exercise. <laughs> <laughs> this theory says that the hikers were woken by loud explosions, fled the tent shoeless in shell shock panic especially if they had just finished a war that's mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. Um, but they found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval. After some of the members froze to death attempting to endure the bombardment, others were others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. Um, there are records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around that time. So maybe yeah, um, parachute mine detonation while still in the air rather than striking the earth's surface, produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. So is this like a sonic boom kind of situation yeah, maybe? Yeah,
0: just a major pressure wave hitting you.
1: Okay, so that's what I, I wonder. I was like, what am I talking about even? Yeah. <laughs> um, the heavy internal damage would have been consistent with what they would expect from these kinds of explosions. Okay. Uh, the theory also coincides with the reporting of glowing orange orbs falling or floating in the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers. So it's potentially uh, military aircraft or the descending parachute mines. Mm-hmm. So like when I was reading this, I could not put together parachutes and mines because in my head the mines are under and parachutes are...
0: Yeah, well, if, I, my guess is that you're basically trying to create a minefield by airdropping mine the mines. Minefields,
1: not mine. Got so it, there, that so kind of mine versus yeah, like Yeah, so miners. basically you're
0: dropping, dropping mines to distribute over the area and some of them are going off before they get to the ground.
1: Did I ever tell you about the time that I misunderstood Flee the Country?
0: Oh, Yeah. No, yeah. this does not ring the bell. God, so.
1: I would like to state I was like five, but I was 18. Um, my mom was watching the news and something had happened out in California. And the person responsible for it was trying to request from the FBI a plane so they could flee the country. And my beautiful, naive brain immediately goes, well, that's just
0: weird. Where are they going to get all those fleas <laughs> gonna, from? Yeah, where are they going to cover it in fleas? Yeah.
1: And yes. I remember my mother looking at me and going what (laughs) I don't know just like how are they gonna gonna drop all those fleas on the country Mm -hmm. and that's when she very lovingly explained to me that it was flee the country as in leave not drop fleas all over it and then I was like oh okay
0: but the other is far more cool in terms of visual so
1: well like I don't know I guess I was thinking super evil yeah 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 exactly I would like to state this is the only time this has ever happened in my life but (laughs) obviously it's not as of today So, mines, like the kind that you find in a war. That, yep, yep, yep. Got it. So, this theory, among others, uses scavenging animals to explain Dubiana's inner injuries with the lips missing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people speculate the bodies were unnaturally manipulated due to characteristic liver mortis marks during the autopsy. Remember, they didn't say much about the internal organs during yeah. the autopsy. So, that, where did that come
0: from? Conspiracy.
1: Right. As well as burns to the hair and skin, because we did hear that there were some burns. Mm-hmm. Um, photographs of the tent allegedly show that it was apparently elect- erected incorrectly, um, something that experienced hikers would have been unlikely to do. Hmm. So, a similar theory along this line is that they were testing radiological weapons.
0: Yep. Ooh, sounds like fun upstairs. I was
1: going to say, did someone die?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Kids, man. Um, so this is partly based on the discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing, as well as the bodies being described as by relatives as having an orange skin and gray hair. Um, That's not really a common thing that you note when someone has died, that they have yeah. orange tone or gray hair. <laughs> However, radioactive dispersal would have affected all of the hikers and equipment, not just some of it. Mm-hmm. And the skin and hair discoloration was explained by the natural process of mum- mummification after three months of exposure to cold and winds. Yeah. So that would have been on the four that were found away from the others that that probably would have affected. Yeah. But they mentioned it on all of them. Yeah, that's. Furthermore, the initial suppression of files regarding the group's disappearance by the Soviet authorities. Um, is sometimes mentioned as evidence of this cover-up, but the concealment of information regarding domestic in- incidents was standard procedure in the USSR, so mm-hmm. it wasn't that peculiar. Um, and by the nineteen eighties, all the files had been released one way or another. Cool. So, but, military?
0: But you know, but question mark? But yeah, you know, random, random nuke testing is a, a fun explanation. But, yeah. You
1: know. So here's a paradoxical undressing.
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice turn of phrase. I know. Yeah.
1: I, love, I love finding these phrases, yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm keeping that. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, the International Science Times posited that the hiker's death was caused solely by hypothermia. Um, and this is the explanation um, that when you get hypothermia, you do weird things, such mm-hmm. as undressing. Yep. So it's paradoxical. Why would you undress if you're freezing cold? Um, but people with hypothermia get really, really warm mm-hmm. because all their tendon their nerves are on fire uh, yep. trying to keep you warm. Um, and it is undisputed that six of the nine died of hypothermia. However, the others in the group appeared to have acquired additional clothing from those who had already died. so they were of sound enough mind to have stolen clothing. yeah So in my head I'm picturing the layout of this. We've got the guys at the fire. And then we've got the three that tried to get back to camp. Yeah. And then just north of that, we have the four that wandered off. Mm-hmm. The four that wandered off were dressed the warmest. Yeah. The two by the fire were dressed the least warmest. Yeah. So the ones that were north of the fire would have found the dead bodies, stolen their clothing, and then, then
0: had north. Some... Well, and so and then they basically... would have
1: been alive the longest.
0: That's what it sounds like. And then they basically fell into something or got buried by something. So they either got hit by an avalanche at that point or fell into some hole in the snow, like a crevasse type thing. So that
1: doesn't make sense to me on the initial run away from an avalanche theory, though.
0: Yeah, but you can basically have multiple avalanches in the area. So you can have basically an avalanche or something that basically starts pushing the tent. They freak out, they bail. Right. Some of them get hit again later by a secondary... Source avalanche, or something like that. So, you know,
1: okay, we'll let that happen
0: <laughs> again. Not so fun, but we we'll more plausible. Yeah, here. yeah.
1: All right, uh, so let's go to pseudoscience.
0: That's where we always want to go, That's, right? That yeah. is where we want to go. <laughs> In 2014,
1: the Discovery Channel had a, a special called the Russian Yeti the Killer Lives.
0: <laughs> Uh, This
1: explores the theory that Dyatlov and the group were killed by a Russian Yeti called a mink. (laughs) So the show starts with this premise that the injuries were caused by a creature with superhuman strength. And that was Mm -hmm. the only thing that could have caused them.
0: Yep. Clearly.
1: Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of course, there's no solid
0: evidence for (laughs) this claim. Who needs solid evidence when you got a Yeti?
1: Right the only evidence that they had was that they had interviews with two members of the original search party who got on the scene first. Um, and they claimed that they found footprints that were larger than those of a human. Uh, these were never included in an official report though.
0: (laughs) We'll take their word for it.
1: Right. Um, months after trying to get access to this information a Russian documentary narrator finally gets access to classified files. Um, and they were starting the date of February 6th, but the hikers go report report missing ten days later. So the investigation supposedly started February 6th, <laughs> but the hikers didn't actually go missing until the 15th or 16th of yeah. February. So that's why they were like cover up. Yeah. But, and it could be a typo, but yeah, yeah, who knows? No way. Right. Uh,
0: yeah. Someone couldn't have just lost the one or two on the February, but whatever.
1: Right. And, of course, they go to the Ural Mountains, to this mm-hmm. area, and they have howling sounds they've recorded from a cave, mm-hmm. and it doesn't belong to any animal species that's known.
0: Because you can tell. Right. <laughs> it's wind. Oh, I'm going to tell it, you now. Yeah, it's the but wind. It's, but it's more fun if it's a Ural Yeti. Um, that's yeah.
1: right. All right. So there is another documentary theory from Keith McCloskey who has been in several documentaries on the subject of Dyatlov Pass. Um, he went there in 2015 with um, the Dyatlov Foundation. And at the pass, he notes that there were wide discrepancies in the distance between the two possible locations um, where the four were found versus where the fire was versus where the tents were. mm mm-hmm. um, So one location was 80 to 100 meters from the pine tree where the bodies of the two by the fire were found. So the other suggested location was so close to the tree that anyone in the snow shelter would have been able to talk to each other without having to raise their voices. So they would have still been able to talk to the people at the fire where the four bodies were found. Okay. Which makes me think the bodies, they were already dead. I don't know. Yeah. Um, The second location... There was a rock stream, um, and they think that that is probably likely where they found the four bodies. Okay. Is that this rock stream? However, the photography from the time says that it looks like the the fo- the photos look like the fire was closest to the trees, which means they would have all been able to have heard each other at all times unless there was something disrupting sound. Hmm. So the location of the tent near the ridge was found too close to the spur of the ridge for any significant buildup of snow to cause an avalanche. So it was too high up to, there wasn't enough snow that could have caused anything. Um, And the prevailing wind blowing over the ridge had the effect of blowing the snow away from it rather than onto it. Mm -hmm. So that also didn't make any sense. And um, let's see, this also reduced the chance of a buildup for an avalanche. And the aspect of the lack of snow near the top was pointed out, but not until 2010. Hmm. Okay. Um, The deputy head of the investigative department of the Sverdek Oblast prosecution office was still alive in 2015 and gave an interview to a former prosecutor in which he stated that he was arranging another trip to the past to fully investigate the strange deaths of the last four bodies when it was mysteriously shut down.
0: There you go. By Moscow.
1: Yep. Um, During this interview, it was also stated that the head of the prosecutor's office was president at the first postmortems in the morgue and spent three days there, which was super unusual Mm -hmm. for somebody that high up to have spent that much time there. So during this documentary about the incident, these are some of the theories. Now, we've already heard the theory about the, the tribesmen, the Mansi. Yep. They were known to be super peaceful though and there was no evidence that anyone had approached the tent. People said well, they were attacked and chased by animal wildlife. Once again, there's no prints.
0: Yeah. And no animal bites or scratches right. or anything so.
1: Also, most people wouldn't leave a tent for an animal. Yeah. <laughs> they would probably just stay there. They'd be safer. Yeah, especially
0: with that larger group.
1: Right. And, and and getting away from each other makes no sense in mm-hmm. an animal attack really. Unless they were running, but they weren't running. They had time to build a fire. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. They said one of the high winds blew a member away, and then the others attempt to rescue the person. But a large group of experienced people would not have done that. Yeah. And the wind strong enough to do that would have also blown away the tent. This is the thing with the the flashlight on the Uh roof. They would not. Yeah. Um, they thought maybe there was an argument related to a romantic encounter <laughs> that left some of them partially closed. <laughs> this was the orgy theory is yes, what I yes, like to call it. Yes. and it leads to a violent dispute. However, the uh, documentary is like, that's not that plausible. <laughs> <laughs> um, all indications said that the group was largely harmonious and sexual tension was confined to platonic flirtation and crushes. There were no drugs present and the only alcohol was a small flask of medicinal alcohol that was fully intact at the scene, okay. which is pretty funny because a lot of um, books I've read about mountain climbing, climbing with alcohol is recommended because it helps stave off hypothermia. Okay, So that's hmm. why it's medicinal. All right. Uh, the group, it, the joke in the book that I read last about it says it thins the blood enough so that it still flows quicker. Okay. Because when you get too cold,
0: it gets too... Yeah, because I know one of the things with it is that, you know, you get... You flush, so you get more blood blood near your skin, but then you tend to cool down more because it's basically causing all your blood to get near your skin, which then causes you to, you know... Freeze more. Freeze more, but I guess it would also stave off frostbite, probably, because it would at least get blood back into your fingers and things like that. Right. If you're less worried about freezing to death and more worried about losing toes... What's
1: What's the guy from the Batman where when he's... When they jump him in water or whatever and he's like, Don't worry about your fingers, they'll take care of themselves, you worry about your trunk.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. That's that's very true in hiking though. That's mm-hmm. why they're all missing fingers yeah. and toes. Yep, yep. Nobody cares about that part. Um so yeah, they basically the group had even sworn off cigarettes for this expedition. So it's not yeah. like they were limiting their oxygen intake. Um and they didn't think that a fight would have left the massive injuries that they yeah. had. So these are the weirdest of all the theories for yeah, you. There's there you millions more out there. Yep. Um, you could there's alien theories, there's radiation theories. I would like to think it's a combination of things.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's my my personal what I think actually happened is right. the first theory that basically there was a slow snow slide or something that was causing the tent to start to have issues. Right. They all panic, they leave. You know, because there are the things, you know, they cut themselves out before they're buried because they're freaking out about getting buried, but it's not right. a huge snowslide. Right. They regroup. Some of them get back. Some of them start freezing. A group gets hit by an avalanche at that point, gets buried. Everybody else dies. End of story. And those people that got hit by the avalanche get picked on by birds, then reburied by other stuff later, and then they're deep under snow.
1: Well, and I wonder, too, based on, like, just sussing out some of the information that People by the fire were the least dressed. The people going back to the tent probably were the, they were mm-hmm. the most experienced. Yeah. Yep. And then the four that were dressed well were going towards a water source. Yeah. Were they trying to get water?
0: Possibly. Or, you know, yeah, I mean that's that's the question: is what's up with those four? As why did they wander to, off? Why are they not with everybody else?
1: Right, and it's interesting too that one of the people that wandered off was one of, like one of the women in the group.
0: Yeah, and it would make sense if maybe maybe they got hit first. Right, but then they wouldn't be dressed because everybody else was not dressed.
1: Exactly, and they had cut clothing off of dead yeah. people. They thought. Yeah. Yep. So, like, they would have already noticed that their friends had died.
0: Yeah, or maybe they maybe they made a snow shelter, they survived for a while, found that their friends had died, did whatever, and then got hit by an avalanche. Maybe, know? yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, it's because this kind of, the forensics that I need would not have been around at the time. Like, yeah. were they killed within hours of each other? Yeah,
0: that's what you really need to know is the timing right. of what happened to who. But, yeah, you know, they don't know. So.
1: Exactly. So, this has been the wonderfully weird... The Outlove Pass yeah, Incident. Yes,
0: yes. It is a classic.
1: Yeah. And I, I do recommend watching the really crappy Netflix movie, The Devil's Peak. Nice. Devil's Pass, whatever it is. It's really good.
0: Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the story, Jenny. and uh, Yeah, as always. And uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we will catch you another time.
1: Make sure that you rate, oh, review, yes. subscribe. We thank Hollow State Audio for their music. Yes. Things like that.
0: Yeah. You know, email find us. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. Tell us you like us, give us ideas, whatever whatever yeah. floats your boat. We love it all. All right. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.